Hi, welcome to Life Struggles. On this show, we interview or just chat with people who have mental and physical health issues, addictions, relationship problems, and anything else that life may bring you as a struggle. We give hope and our own advice to others from our own achievements. Our goal is for you not to feel alone in your struggle. Our guests range from actors, authors, professionals, and ordinary people like me. At the end of this podcast, if you would please hit our bell, that little bell up there, so that you will be notified of any new episodes that drop. And also, if you would give us a rating, we would deeply appreciate it. And now, please help me in welcoming our next guest. Okay, so please help me welcome Courtney. Hi. Hi there. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. I am so excited. It's been a long time coming and I am super excited to hear your story. Yeah. So the only thing I know to do is to start at the beginning and I just want to chat with you. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So tell me where where it all began. Where it all began. Oh my goodness. Um, So I feel like for me, the root of like everything, my, my intimacy issues, relationship issues, my addiction issues, my mental health, everything Mm -hmm. pretty much like all stems from, I think, abandonment really. Um, Okay. So tell me about that abandonment. So my parents uh, were married when I was born, my mom and my biological dad, um, Mm -hmm. but they got divorced when I was eight months old. And it was like a very, um, very like unsafe and volatile like situation. My, my dad was extremely abusive. um, And, you know, it was a very complicated situation. And then like, at this point, I, you know, obviously I was like eight months old. I didn't know, but he, you know, he's an alcoholic. Um, and so he continued like drinking and then he eventually like switched to smoking crack cocaine when I was eight. But like, so all of these feelings of abandonment, just from like one, not having my biological dad around, like it was just me and my mom pretty much for like the first five years of my life till she got remarried. And then like, did you ever, you didn't ever see him? No, I did. I wish I, I wish I never did. Um, but I did No, he was, I mean, it was very like in and out, very unstable. And like, that's where I feel like a lot of, you know, for a long time, I wondered how it probably would have been easier had I just never known him, you know, like, I feel like you can't like really miss something you never had, but because I had been around him certain times and either they would be like really good. And so that would like, create a closer bond. Um, and we are a lot alike. I mean, you know, we, I, I ended up being an addict as well. So we definitely have very similar personalities and we get, we, we can get along very well. You probably have the gene. Oh, for sure. And from both sides. Yeah. From both sides. Um, 
And so, um, but then also like once he started, like his, his drinking was always a problem. And then especially then it really ramped up when he got into drugs, like just completely inconsistent, you know, um, my mom would be the one that would call him and say like, do you want to see Courtney? And my mom would put in a lot of effort for me to have a relationship with him, you know, and like now knowing everything, I know she has a lot of guilt and regret over that, which is unfortunate. Cause like she did the best she could with, you know, she had very good intentions, you know, she wanted me to have a relationship with my dad and she didn't know like how bad, there's no way she could have known how bad it was going to end up. Um, but, you know, so just that feeling of like being young and being told like, oh, like your dad's going to come pick you up. And then he never shows up or, you know, just like, he's going to come attend this spelling bee and he never shows up or, you know, just stuff like that. Like it creates like as kids, like we don't have like, there's, there's two different sides to that. Cause there's that mother's side and so in in my case so I can relate to your mom um but also to you because I also had a daughter Mm -hmm. that was in the your same situation maybe at the very beginning the very beginning he chose another life you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. Uh, right then and there but when once he became an addict the drugs chose him yeah. And until he was ready to say no, which he never was, they had control of him. So I don't want you to think that he didn't love you or that on purpose he was staying away from you. Um, but I think he, because when he did talk to me, he always said, she's better off not around me. He never would take that step to stop. Yeah. But he did at least love her enough not to involve her in all that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, when I was, um, so like, I don't remember. I hear you saying, yeah, you know, I almost wish he wasn't. Cause I don't like, um, I don't have a ton of memories from when I was younger. Like even when I was at my biological dad's or when I was at my mom, my obviously I have more memories from my mom and my dad that raised me because it was a healthy environment, but still like my, sometimes I wonder, I don't know if it's just like my brain protecting me or if I just have a bad memory, I'm not sure. But um, my mom did tell me that at one point, because my biological dad has been remarried several times, several. Um, And one of them, I had one one of my stepmoms I had for quite a long time and she's a nurse. And so like whenever he first married her and my mom was a single mom, putting herself through college, raising me, working. And she started, you know, I guess she like started to question, like, I wonder if Courtney would be, because I also have a brother who is living with my biological dad and it's not my mom's son, it's another woman's, but, um, you know, my mom kind of of started to question, like, maybe she should live there and she could have a mom and a dad because I would, you know, I wanted a mom and a dad. And I guess she reached out to him and said, look, could, should Courtney come live with you? And he did have the wherewithal to say like no like you are she needs to be with you like you know it's probably like the best thing he ever well I know hands down it's the best thing he ever did for me in my whole life was like which is honestly a miracle from what I know about like his ego and his pride the fact that he was able to do that but I can say like it's you know I'm very grateful because I'm so glad I stayed with my mom obviously, you know, um, so you're, when your mom remarried, she, she didn't, um, marry into another addict. No, God, no. She went to complete part was good. She went to the the complete opposite. So like my biological dad is, you know, a career criminal, like 23 felonies, like 
lived in and out of prison or on the streets and, you know, addicted to crack and whatever else. And my dad that raised, I call him dad. He's not even like my stepdad. He is my dad that raised right. me. I don't like the word step anyway. Yeah. He's a cop. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. Well, now he's retired. He was a cop for 30 years. He's like the most honest, loyal, dependable guy I've ever met in my life. Like my mom just went from like one extreme to the other. And it's so funny because my sister and I, we, we both look like my mom, but like, we have these two different dads and you can totally, you can totally tell like my, my dad's a crackhead and her dad's a cop. You can totally tell like our personalities. Oh yeah. Like our personalities are very similar, but I'm very like "Ah," all over the place. Like, you know, just not very emotionally balanced or even keeled at all. My sister's very like She's just very emotionally intelligent. She's 11 years younger than me, but she's like way more mature <laughs> for sure. Okay. So how old were you when your mom got remarried? Five. Five. So for five years, it was probably tumiscuous with your atmosphere, with your dad coming in and out, your biological dad. Um, I He didn't come in and out a whole lot like that. I know of like. So he was there a lot? No, no, he was out a lot. Out a lot. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. He did not okay. come. I mean, and he, I mean, when I, even whenever he was in, he would like come in, you know, I'd see him for a weekend, maybe. It's not, okay. I mean, no, I didn't. I mean, at least not that I remember. I don't remember a lot of contact. I mean, I know he got, I know just before I was three, he had to have been married two other times. So there was a lot going on. He had a lot going on. Okay. So you had other issues though um so when did those start um so when I was eight he started smoking crack and like right around right when I was like eight and a half nine was when I started having a severe counting problem um like obsessive compulsive yeah okay obsessive compulsive um it was just like the way I coped, I guess. Um, but it was pretty like severe. Um, so, so, so explain that so people know what that is. Yeah. So for me, what it looked like was like, for example, I would listen to people's conversations and I would count like how many R's, S's, T's, like, and I would like listen to a sentence and I would try to count like how many letters were in them. But like, if there was the same num, like the same letter, it crossed each other out. (laughs) So like an example would be like, if you said there are like (laughs) T-H-E-R-E-R, like, so the T-H and then the, the E's cross each other out, the R's cross each other out. So it's like only, I think it's two, T-H. (laughs) Cause then there's E-R-E. But are you saying that's how you would say no, that's like what I would do in my head while people were talking. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it was intense and it was becoming like so problematic because like, for example, like in like math class, I'm just giving an example, you know, obviously this is a very long time ago, but I do remember this. Like, so if there was something and it was like, say four plus four, to me it's zero because the F's cross each other out, the O's cross each other out the U's, the R's, like, it was just all about, like, numbers and, like, balance. It was very... How did you know that was going on? Huh? How did you know that was going on, or did you? 
I mean, I couldn't stop because I couldn't even like listen to what people were saying. I was literally just focusing on like the number, like the letters and like how many there were. I remember like being in cars and reading billboards and like couldn't stop reading them and then just like messing with the numbers like or the letters in my mind. And my mom and I go back and forth on this now because I can like very vividly, like I started going to therapy when I was like five, but I feel like because I can she saw something. No, no, no. I just started. No. Well, cause she was worried, you know, I had like an alcoholic dad that was in and out of my life. And, um, so I started going to therapy, just like regular talk therapy when I was five. And I feel like I can remember a specific therapist that I went to that diagnosed me with OCD, but my mom says she doesn't remember that, but that doesn't know that who's to say who's right. Cause we both have very different memories on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but, um, so what I'm getting, the reason I pulled my phone out is because I want to Google what that's called. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, go ahead, Google it. <laughs> what, it what is it? You don't know what it's called? Well, what do you obsessive compulsive disorder? Huh? Obsessive compulsive dis- personality disorder. Yeah. Obsessive compulsive. Compulse. It's like obsessive compulsive disorder, but they have what's called OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So you have like different traits. Okay. So it says, I do this so that I can let other people know yeah. what it means. Yeah. So it says the symptoms of OCPD and that's what I typed in. Yeah. Um, perfectionism to the yeah. point that it impairs the ability to finish tasks. Yeah. Did you have that? Yeah, because it can come. I still have that very much so. Because that, that can present itself as ADD. Because I was, right. yeah, because right. I was tested recently, actually, when I got sober this time. Um, I had a full psych evaluation done because I wanted to see like completely off drugs and alcohol without any antidepressants or anything like what right. I had. And they thought I might have ADD, but it still came back as OCPD. Okay. Yeah. Um, stiff. Formal or rigid mannerisms. Mm, I don't. I don't know exactly what they mean by that. And I don't either. Yeah. I don't even know how to ask you. I mean, I know what stiff would be like if you're sitting like this all the time. But, but mannerisms. Arms crossed. Well, it says rigid mannerisms. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Okay. And being extremely frugal with money. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like when I'm sober. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. An overwhelming need to be punctual. <laughs> yeah. But Which I feel is, like me is like OCD too. Yes. And I, but I also, but I feel like, for example, like that, cause I am like that major, but I think that that comes from like growing up with inconsistent, you know what I mean? Like a parent that says they're going to show up and they don't see, I've always thought that that stems from that, but it could be from either or both. I don't know how you ever know exactly which thing you have comes from. Extreme attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Yep. And which also goes in hand, hand in hand with perfectionism, like, which I definitely struggle. Like if I can't, I won't even do something unless I feel like I can do it like almost perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. Like I don't like to just try new things for the fun of it. That's something I've really been working on like this time not around. Try like, not to be perfect. 
like trying to just try new things, whether I know if I'm going to be good. Like I just recently started skating and I'd never skate in my life and it's actually like really fun, but I have like really gotten hurt (laughs) doing it, (laughs) but that's something I would have never, I remember one time my friend was like, oh, let's go like do this. And I was like, no, cause what if I don't like it? And she was like, well, what if you don't like it? And I'm like, I'll die. (laughs) Like if I, (laughs) like I, I, you know, I've heard that. I don't like being uncomfortable at all. I like to know exactly like what, which is wild because I'm a recovering heroin addict. So I don't know how that got lost in translation. Okay. And the last one then is excessive devotion to work at the expense of family or social relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep. Guilty. So I feel like those kind of go with OCD. Yeah. A, a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like OCD is more of like a specific. Well, there's actually a thing on here, OCD versus OCPD. Because like my counting was OCD because that's a specific like way. It's like another example is like when people have like they have to touch a doorknob six times like that's OCD. That's something very specific. Like that's what my counting was. Or it's like if people have OCD with washing their hands. Like that wouldn't be like yours is OCD because it's something specific with like the time mine's generalized. Like my whole personality is just kind of obsessively compulsive. (laughs) Okay. And compulsively obsessive. Well, this one does say there is a distinct um, difference, even though they're unique and specific characteristics, there is considerable overlap between them. So there's a lot oh, yeah, of, of there's a lot of comparisons of OCD and OCPD. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's interesting. Okay, so that was you said it at about age eight. Yeah. Okay, and, and so then, then what? So then, from like you know, there was a very obvious like shit. So whenever I like people will explain how I was when I was young, and I'm talking like ten and under. I was like this very happy child, like just the person that they describe, I don't know who that person is. Like I was just very like bubbly and outgoing and happy. And then there was like a very clear shift probably around, I mean, I know for sure around 13, 14, but maybe even a little in those years leading up to it. Um, But then there were a lot of things going on in that time that like contributed to it like, you know, not feeling like, um, I don't even want to say the word bullying. I feel like bullying is a little bit of a heavy word for what I went through, but definitely not feeling a part of at the private school that I went to with like the group of friends that I was like, supposed to be like best friends with. Um, Do you think that was because like you were from a divorced home and maybe some of them weren't or that was part of it? Yeah. Because because of that was definitely part of it. The other part was because like I went to a very expensive private school and like my mom and my dad were, you know, working overtime, doing everything they could just to like, you know, pay the tuition and put me in that school, much less where like the girls I went to school with were going on like ridiculous vacations and, you know, like had all the nicest things and I didn't and, you know, just stuff like that. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, do you think you put that on yourself or were they really saying things to you? No, I know. I know. I know. I put it on myself. (laughs) So you did put it on yourself. Like, yes, a hundred percent. Like I felt completely, but there was also, but then there was also very like, 
um, catty seventh and eighth grade girl stuff, you know, like, oh gosh, by the time oh, my, that age, yes. Like, like to the point where my freshman year of high school, my parents pulled me out and put me in public school because I threatened to kill myself. Like it was that bad. And I and just, you like, know what? And I feel like, and I don't know how you feel now, but I feel like seventh and eighth grade are like the worst times to go through anything because you've already, you, you know, besides all that other stuff, you've got the hormone changing going on all that, you know, stuff and trying to figure out who you are. Those are just normal things that everybody goes through. Then you put all that shit on top of it. That's yeah, it was a lot. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. And then, um, and then, yeah. So then I switched from private school to public school. It was the first time in my life I've ever gone to public school. It was like my second half of freshman year on, um, my dad went to prison for like, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the first time. Um, but it just was very significant at that point. Um, so my did aunt, you know, those things because your mom told you, or did somebody else tell you or because that time really I thinking. remember he wrote me letters. I remember that time. Cause he yeah. wrote me letters. I remember my, I don't remember how I ended up with them. Cause for some reason, I feel like my mom didn't want me to have them to begin with, but I think, she, yeah, because I feel like I got mad at her about that, but I ended up getting them, but I don't really remember, but I still have those letters to this day. Um, and then my, we had like some family stuff going on within like my, with my mom, and my dad, like my dad's sister went missing. Um, and so like, it was this huge, like my family was on Dateline. Um, it was like this, this was in set like junior high. This was in no, this was my freshman year. Your freshman year, Fresh, okay. yeah, two thousand four. So yeah, my freshman year. Okay. Um, so there's just and then I, you know, so there's just like a lot going on and like ultimately what happened, like the perfect storm of everything was, um, I stopped cheer. I was a competitive cheerleader from like kindergarten till sophomore year of high school. Um, and then I got in a car accident and I couldn't cheer anymore. So I was like, not only did I go from a private school where I was really busy all the time, classes were super hard. I went to a public school where everything was so easy. I was in like all AP classes and I was like, this is cake. And then I couldn't cheer anymore. So I had all this free time. My dad went to prison and that's where it hit me where I thought, you know what? I want to know what's so great about drugs that he chooses them over me because like, we don't get educated about addiction when we're young. So I didn't realize like, like exactly what you were saying, what you said to your daughter. Like now I know, like I'm not an option when it comes to like, whenever it's like my, whenever my dad's looking at it, it's drugs or drugs. It's not like drugs or Courtney, like I'm not even an option, but I didn't know that then. So I thought I want to know what's so great about them that he chooses them over me. And so I specifically sought out. And that's a perfectly normal thing for you. Yeah. It's very like common. (laughs) Yeah. It seems to be very common. Um, So when was there depression in there? I got diagnosed when I was 14 with depression and so anxiety. was that your freshman year or your sophomore year? Like fresh, either eighth grade so, or freshman year. Yeah, okay. probably freshman. Switching, from, then I switched to a public high school. Mm-hmm. And I was like two years ahead of everybody as far mm-hmm. as education wise. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that how you were? 
Yeah, it was. I no, I mean, I feel like I was I was taking all AP classes and like I graduated a year early with a year of college under my belt. Like, yeah, I was so bored. (laughs) I mean, so bored that I started drinking at 6 a.m. My sophomore year of high school, I was loaded all the time because I was so bored out of my mind and I was was so depressed. I was so depressed. So how did your mom and dad not know that you were doing that? So, I mean, so my, my parents, like they are so, they're so strict. Like even now I'm 33 and I'm like, y'all are so strict. (laughs) Um, But so my mom obviously like start, especially once I got into cocaine, um, it was like, you know, my mom was like, something is wrong with her. Like, she, you know, she could tell something was seriously wrong with me How and she would take 16 Okay. and she would 15, 16. And she would take me to like all these, like, you know, she would take me to like doctors, psychiatrists, like, and, and because I was still making all A's, I was still going to school. I was still showing up for my job. Like they were like, well, she's not on drugs. Cause at that point they just assumed if you're on drugs, like you're screwing up your whole life. And all of my external stuff was so like, kept in line that they thought there's no way she's on drugs. And I, and I no. ran with that for a very long time. I wonder since you might've had ADD, if that cocaine wasn't like balancing some stuff out. I don't know. I was also taking a lot of ADD medication. <laughs> you were. Yeah. Well, but so not, you I were didn't... diagnosed with ADD when you were young. No. No, no. <laughs> I was not no, taking it drug. for ADD. No, I was taking it from a doctor, but he was just writing scripts to whoever wanted them. There was like this huge wave in my high school of every girl wanting to get on it to lose weight. And I didn't want to lose weight, but I was like, well, oh, looks like I could get high from it. Well, he didn't, you didn't have to be tested like from, wow. No, he ended up getting like, he ended up getting busted and ended up looking okay. at a lot of time in prison and ended okay. up committing suicide. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was okay. like a huge That scandal. makes more sense. Oh yeah. There was a whole thing in my hometown. Dr. Ibarra, I'll never forget. <laughs> Good man. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So and that, well, that strikes out what I was thinking then, if you were taking a lot, a lot, because I was one- taking so much and doing cocaine on top of it. But I've naturally always had, I have a very high tolerance to drugs, like a very high, like even once I eventually moved on to IV drug use, like I would use, like, say I was like IV cocaine for the first time, I'd have to do it like several times and keep upping the amount until I could even feel it. Like I just naturally have a very high drug tolerance, which is wild because my mom's like the exact opposite. Like if she takes ibuprofen, she can like, she swears she's like tripping in her. Yeah, I can't take it. I I shake real bad. Yeah, my mom doesn't take, my mom has never taken anything like because even just like the smallest like medication affects her and I'm the exact opposite. And that's how I am. So I'm kind of glad for it. that I am that way yeah because like I'm I'm afraid of them like pain pills for example a lot of people will take them and they're like oh it made me nauseous and I'm like oh I wish it had made me not I mean I don't know if that would have made a difference for me but you know some people just physically don't feel good on it so they don't like it but I don't know so what what were all the drugs you were taking in high school then 
So in high school, it was strictly um, Vyvanse, like 180 milligrams of Vyvanse a day, which is basic. It's like Adderall. Um, okay. I was doing a lot of cocaine and I was drinking um, and I stayed on those drugs until I was like 22. And so how did you, you had a job, is that how you were supporting? Yeah. Or were you doing other stuff on the side? Um, in high school, it was, I had a job and, and in, then in college I had a job. Um, it's things started getting pretty sketchy around, um, like I bought a, I bought a house when I was a sophomore in college, I want to say, cause I'd been working for like a long time at that point. And you bought a house. Yeah. I mean, this was also in Texas, not in California. So, but I mean, but yes, still, but I'm still, still very proud of it. Yes. A lot. I was very proud of that house. Um, and then I kind of just, and then I got arrested. So my parents were no longer paying for my college. So now I'm like paying this mortgage. What did you get arrested for? for? Um, the first time was a DWI. GWI? DWI. I'm like drinking while intoxicated. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did they ever change that to DUIs? They, well, we've always had both in Texas. Oh, okay. There's both. So like DWI is like, if you're like under 21 and some, I don't know what the other, I was, I was 19. So I got a DWI and then I violated that probation and got arrested for assaulting a police officer and resisting arrest, which was in a blackout. I had a major drinking problem back then, like major. So when those things were happening, then obviously mom and dad knew yeah, but by then I was living on my own. I was an adult, you know, they like tried to help me, but I was not try? having it. Oh yeah. They tried. I mean, so, so after I was like going to those doctors in high school and, you know, and my mom was like, there's something wrong with her. And they're all like, no, not really. Like it's not drugs. And my mom just felt like she knew, well, there was one night where I was so out of my mind like my, I will never forget this night too. And I, I have a horrible memory. And this was like now almost, you know, this was like 17 years ago. And I'll never forget. I had done so much cocaine that I, my pupils were so big. I couldn't see like my vision was so blurry. And I went home. I remember I'd gone to all I had done that I had gotten that messed up was because I was at the DMV. Like, it's not like I was at a party. Like I was at the DMV and they were like, it's going to be a two hour wait or whatever. So I went out in the, my car and just like kept snorting cocaine. I'm like 16. And then I go home and it's like so obvious, you know, like my parents are like, you know, it's so obvious. And so I come clean ish, you know, like my mom had heard that a bunch of people in my high school were doing Adderall. And so I ended, she was like, we're going to drug test you. And I was like, oh, you don't have to like, and I started crying and I was like, you know, I tried Adderall today. It's the first time I've ever done it. I'll never do it again. You know, like that whole thing. And then, but I mean, like as the years went on, like it was very odd. I mean, I got kicked out of the house. I would run away. I would, you know, like it was my drinking and using was very obvious. Like my mom got a call one day from the high school. Cause they like pulled, they like pulled me out of the pep rally and breathalyzed me. Cause I just like reeked of alcohol. Like I got sniffed out by the drug dogs one day in my junior year. Like it was very hectic. And 
you know, my mom at one point, I do remember her sitting me down and she had found like a, like, you know, you've probably heard of like these rehabs that are like for teens in like Utah, they're like kind of like behavior modification. Mm -hmm. And she had found one and was going to send me. And like, to this day, she even says, she's like, I have no idea why I didn't send you there. Like the more I look back, but I, I do, we both remember that she sat me down and she was like, look, like, doesn't this look fun? They're cliff jumping. Like they're doing all these fun activities. And I was like, they're jumping off the cliff trying to kill themselves, mom. Like it doesn't look fun. And then like, that was the end of the conversation. Like, she's like, I have no idea how, you know, like we look back at, but we also didn't know, you know, I think part of it, like we thought like, this will be a phase. This is just a phase, mm -hmm. but it was not a phase <laughs> at all. It, it could have been both. Yeah. It could have been a phase and what you were doing. Yeah. Well, because well, some of those things I feel like, um, you know, like one of my kids acted like that, but yet he's been, you know, tested and everything and does, isn't doing anything. It's just a phase. Yeah. So, you know, and that was at 19. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but my drug use just kept, you know, going and going and going. So what was the final thing that happened that, that you decided to stop? I didn't really decide this time for myself. Like I have decided to stop for myself. Like I have decided like I want, I mean, this was my 22nd time in rehab. Like I have tried a million times this time. I, and I think this is like why it's like working and sticking is because like I had completely given up hope. I like had truly like, I mean, at the end I'm doing fentanyl and Xanax and, you know, I've been a heroin user for over 10 years now, IV, IV cocaine, IV meth, Xanax, ketamine, G, all of the drugs, you know? Um, you know, it amazes me that somebody can do that many drugs that are so harmful to your body and live through it. Mm -hmm. and you look yeah. amazing thank you and, and some people don't like my best friend died yeah you know she yeah, uh, yeah. isn't that it's just I guess yeah. that's that's where I get my I believe in a higher power oh yeah my roommate and I were just talking about that last night like how can you not believe like we were talking about like how some people just don't believe in God and it's like the fact that I mean I've overdosed four times like I've had a blood infection traveling to my heart. I've had multiple seizures. Like, I mean, and just the dangerous things that happen to a young female living on the streets of LA, you know, like it's a miracle that I'm alive and, you know, yeah, it's a complete miracle. So yeah. So this last time I had fully like given up and I just didn't think it was even possible. And my, um, my so family when you say that what did you do? I didn't do anything. I kept living in a motel and, you know, I recently got raided for sales charge, sales and transportation of fentanyl. Um, and then my ex-boyfriend, he had gotten clean. We were together for six years and this was a year ago. He got clean and he was talking to my parents that were in Texas. And he was like, look, I know she's saying that she wants to get clean, but she's not going to do anything about it. Like she's not, she's so depressed. Like, you're going to have to come out here and get her, basically, you know? 
And, or maybe it was my mom that said to him, do you think we should get her? And he said, mm-hmm. yes, it went down something like that. And thank God my parents were willing to do that, you know, cause there was a time when they weren't, there was a time when I was homeless in San Diego and I called my mom and I said, I need you to come out here. And like, she wouldn't do it, you know, but things were like so bad this at this point. So my parents flew out here, picked me up, interventioned me, tricked me, <laughs> did the whole thing. They tricked you? How'd they trick you? I mean, like they did, but like on some level too, I also knew because I kept telling my mom, I because my mom said like, oh, we're going to come out there and we're going to pick you up from your motel and we're going to take you to lunch. And I kept saying like, I feel like you're going to trick me and put me in treatment. And, and like deep down, I knew that, but she was like, Courtney, you're a grown ass woman. Like, what am I, I can't force you to do anything, you know? But then eventually what they did was like, all they had to do was just like, let me see their faces, you know, and then ask me like, will you please go get help? And I just like, couldn't, I didn't love myself for shit, you know? Um, but I love my parents so much. And like my sister, my baby sister's college graduation was coming up and I wanted to be there. And, you know, it was like just enough that I was like, I mean, I'll try, you know, like what, you know, I mean, what do you have to lose? And yeah, I literally had nothing to lose. So, um, yeah. So that started, but there had to be something then in the treatment center that, or somebody that, that reached to you, that you, you remained sober I mean honestly I just feel like this I mean honestly what it all came down to was like not being in that relationship that I was in for six years I think that I would have achieved this sobriety years earlier had he and I broken up sooner so we was, were both addicts. drugs too yeah we were both addicts we we loved each other very much and we would try to get sober but he would relapse and then I would follow. And not that it's his fault. You know, I, I saw the writing on the wall, like made my decisions, you know, but um, that was like, a that has been a game changer for me. And like, not only from that relationship, but like me being like single for this sobriety and like, it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> I have been able to like heal in ways that I had would have never been able to had I been in a relationship. So are are you in, um, I know that you're living in a sober house. Mm -hmm. Are you also doing an AA program or an NA program or? Yeah. So I do, I work the steps out of AA, Mm -hmm. um, but I go to both meetings like AA, NA, C, whatever, A, you know. Um, And have those, I mean, did you find the right group or did you have to go through several too? Yeah. I mean, I'm very familiar with like how the 12 step world works because I've been in and out for so long. Um, so, but I have been very lucky this time. Like I have an amazing sponsor. Like I absolutely love her. She's, I, I like, not only do I love her, but I respect and admire her. Like she's like everything I want to be, you know, and she's 23 years old. Really, <laughs> She's 10 years younger than me, but she's been sober for almost seven years. And she just like has so much knowledge and just like truly wants to help so many people. It's just like incredible. Um, and then, yeah. So recently I have tried to mostly switch to only going to like women only meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, every now I, I want to go there was such a thing. 
Oh yeah. They're the, they're the best. Like strictly, if you're a man, men's only meetings, if you're a woman, women only meetings, like that's just kind of like where the real, like, you know, you don't have to worry about like distractions or like sharing, like you can just share vulnerably and openly. Aren't you, isn't one of the things you're not supposed to have like relationships with somebody that's in. Yeah. But everybody, it's like, everybody does. I feel like. (laughs) Not everybody, but most well, people it's, do. It's, I feel I, like everybody has some kind of issue anymore. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. So how do you how do you find that person that doesn't? You know. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you can't be with somebody. It's like it's not really about like not being with somebody that has like an issue or whatever. But it's not like an they issue. Rec- but I mean, like, but they recovery, recommend like in early recovery, right, not dating period. Yeah. And now now that I've been single for however many months, like I see why, you know, like, but I guess what I'm saying is so like in the beginning, you know, probably most of your time was going to meetings yeah, and, and trying to be with people that um, weren't into drugs and all that kind of stuff. But when when you're going to meetings and you meet somebody that is doing the same thing that you are, you have things in common to talk about, right? which I think that's the pull there to begin with. Totally. And I think that may be why they don't want you in the beginning. Yeah. But I understand that later on, like all of us have had issues in our life. There's none of us that haven't. Oh yeah, for and sure. Somebody can say they had a perfect world and they're full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's world is perfect for sure. Well, then, huh, I love the sober house thing. The last guy that I um, interviewed was telling Ben, like I said, the talk show guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you know what, that's, that's something that you should try to do in Illinois. The thing is, Illinois took away everything. Like we don't have state hospitals anymore. We don't have any, any recovery places what? at all. Why? Because they were all state funded. So the state just took them all away. So you've got schizophrenics running around. You've got, you've got so many homeless people. It's, it's absolutely nuts oh Um, california's homeless population i was not like i did not know that i mean texas is not like that at all but california the homeless population is so bad it's so sad but and but the thing is they have places to go to i mean yeah but i mean a lot of i mean a lot lot of of, not to a lot of them too are just i mean they need medical assistance you know, like they're mentally but, unwell, but does right. And that's what most of ours are. Yeah. So it's like, you have to be somewhat sound enough to get yourself to the place to get help. So I don't know. Think about it's also this, because our, our cost of living is so ridiculous. Right. Right. <laughs> like, so ridiculous. if you think about this rationally, I doubt very much if somebody didn't have any kind of mental issues that they would want to be homeless and live that kind of life. I don't think they would be happy in that. Well, no, I mean, nobody's happy. I mean, well, I have known a couple people that like prefer that life just because it's like more of what they've known, like drug addicts that have been doing it for a very long time. They had something to begin with. And that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, but no, of course not. Nobody. No. Right. So yeah. Um, so like our hospitals have a mental floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot be there more than two weeks, but it's combined with 
people that are trying to commit suicide, people that are schizophrenic, just people that are just plain depressed, any kind of mental issue, um, Alzheimer, any of that. So it's it's all combined and there's only like 20 rooms in, in a floor and you have two weeks and you're out. But you know what I'm saying? So yeah, what does that do? That's they, so they give you some more medications for a while, but if you're like schizophrenic, a lot of them don't like the way the medication makes them feel sometimes. They just won't take mm-hmm. it. Well, they don't understand what it does to them. And yeah, it's just a mess. Just it is a mess. You know, it's like crazy though, too. Is like, so I said, I got uh, re-diagnosed when I um, got clean this time. So like a lot of times, I mean, obviously like our brain chemistry changes, you know, and the last time I had been like, my diagnoses had kind of just been like, I had been diagnosed in treatment at 22. I'm 33 now. And those had kind of just like carried over. They had added in like, you know, complex PTSD at one point, but for the most part, they carried through these last 11 years. And I'm like, there's no way I have the same, you know, I mean, there's, of course there's a way, but there's a very slim chance. I have the exact same diagnosis and need the exact same meds I did 11 years ago. So I like told my, my, I'm very fortunate of like the medical office within my insurance that I use, like they are amazing. I've had them for like five years now. And I truly like like even today at my new job, they're talking to me about like signing up with a health plan and they don't use the same insurance. And I'm like, I don't want to do it because <laughs> I love my insurance and the people. But anyway, so they, I told them when I got clean this time, I was like, I don't want to go directly back onto those antidepressants that I've been on every time I've been clean. I want to go no antidepressants for 90 days and then get re-diagnosed. I need a full psych evaluation. Can you just, me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can you just go off of antidepressants? I was already off. I was already off of them because I don't take them when I'm using. So like I was still like what happens for me is like I get clean and I take the meds and then I relapse and I stop taking the meds and then I get clean again and I get right back on the same meds. So I told them, hey, I don't want to get back on those same meds again. I want to be on nothing for the next, you know, continue to be on nothing. For the so next that 90 was this days. last time that you yeah did. and so that's what we did and, and so what happened did you so then yes yeah, so, so that's yeah I wish like I don't have depression which I thought for sure I did and I so do have anxiety. depression huh so so you ended up not having depression not so, anymore so no. something changed yeah yeah so something changed which makes sense because when I had it when I was younger there was like a lot of external stuff going on I don't and they did diagnose it as clinical but that's just because that was like my state all the time but I do think it was situational um, don't you feel like that doctors are some doctors are too quick to just give you medication for whatever a hundred percent and I see it in treatment centers all the time these people come in and have two weeks off of drugs and alcohol and they say oh you're bipolar you don't know what they are (laughs) they have two weeks off drug you know like they that happened to me in my very first rehab I was like three weeks off of an eight-year cocaine run and they're like oh yeah you're bipolar and I'm like no I'm coming off of a depressant and a stimulant like of course I seem bipolar but I didn't but I didn't have that knowledge at the time so I went through three months of all different medications to find out I had been misdiagnosed so yeah like once I found out like once I had been educated on that it takes you about like 
it takes three to six months off of the drugs for you to be kind of like even evened out a little bit. So I was like, I'm not getting diagnosed or starting medication until then. And, and Kaiser was, I have Kaiser insurance and they were like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And they were so great about it. And so like when I got re-diagnosed, you know, they said that I still have like post-traumatic stress, but not like post-traumatic stress disorder where like, I have a lot of like complex post-traumatic stuff that I've gone through that I need therapy for, but I'm not having physical symptoms like I used to, or like I used to have like night terrors, sweats, you know, stuff like, like hypervigilance, stuff like that. Um, and I do have anxiety and I don't have depression, which I thought it would have been the opposite. So it was, it was really good for me to find out. So do you still have anxiety? I mean, yeah, that was just like five months ago that I got, that I got diagnosed, but I'm on meds, but, um, I do. So what are they giving you for that? So I take Lexapro, um, which is like a pretty standard one. Um, I know that Xanax is widely used for that, but they say that you shouldn't use it. Um, no, that's like a long period of time. Well, no, I mean, one, that's, uh, control. It's a narcotic like that's, and that's one of my drugs of choice. Like no, nobody in recovery should really be taking that at all. Um, I know that there are some instances when people will take it, like, you know, they'll have somebody, you know, there's obviously some instances and to each their own, but like, I know that's one of my drugs of choice. I could never take it. I'd be taking like, it's funny that you, not funny, but ironic that you said, so yeah, when you're in recovery for drugs, alcohol, whatever, no, you're not supposed to be doing any of those other like street drugs and whatever. But um, I, I had somebody that um, I interviewed and it's that, you know, and they were addiction, they were addicted. They, they, it was on addiction, you know, and mm-hmm. other stuff, but they had been quote sober, I think seven years. And I started seeing posts. I've never said anything and I'm not saying the person's name, so it doesn't yeah. matter, but I started no, seeing no. posts where this person was um, doing, being, been given opiates from the doctor mm-hmm. um, for some joint pains and stuff. And I'm like, whatever, you know that you're supposed, you know, yeah. So I will say like, I will like for one, why are you posting that on social media? Why are they yeah, posting? Well, they're not very smart sometimes. Clearly. But I, and I will say, you know, like I've known people that have had years of sobriety and they have to have like a neck surgery. So they will take the prescription, but they will have somebody else hold it and dole it out to them. So they're taking it as prescribed. Like, of course, like I'm not, you know, like we're not going to scratch out all your sobriety, but like for the most part, you know, like for me, the way that I know how my addiction works in my mind, once there is a drug, especially if it's an opiate, if it goes into my brain, my, that addict part of my brain is full on taking over and I'm not going to be able to stop like period. Like, so I can't imagine an injury sufficient enough for me to risk that (laughs) knowing where my disease takes me, you know? Mm -hmm. So how happy are you now? Oh my God. I'm so happy. (laughs) It's actually like really wild. Um, because it's, I will, I'm so happy, but I'm also like, you know, I was just talking to somebody about this last night. Like, I feel like my whole sobriety is like extremely emotional because I'm like, 
you know, I mean, I, you know, I was in a relationship for six years and we've only been broken up now a year, which I know that's a long time, but we also kind of like phased out our conversations and we, we had a court case together. So I just now saw him for the last time last Friday. So like, it's still like, oh my God, it was so hard. You know, I'll get emotional about it now. It's so hard. Like somebody that I was, I mean, yeah. And the bottom line is like, if it weren't for our addictions, we would be together, you know? So like, that's even harder knowing that like we loved each other and you know, like that's even harder, but, um, but at the same time, so it's like very emotional going through like a breakup and very hard having to rebuild my life. But at the same time, it's also like, so just like freeing. And I find myself feeling like so grateful, you know, and especially like really proud of myself, like at the growth that I've had, because there was, I mean, just in relation to that relationship, like there was a time where I was like, I will die if we break up. <laughs> like, I really honestly, like we both were like, we can't live without each other, you know? And like, we are, you know? And so is, is that the person that, that you feel like you were um, enabling? Oh, I definitely enabled him. Yeah, definitely. I'm was there other people that you enabled or just no no pretty much just him um oh I mean I guess if I'm being like painfully honest with myself my best friend Summer that passed away I mean I definitely enabled her I also I I will say I didn't have a full grasp on how bad her how bad her addiction was up like up until like right before she died um, but I did also use with her right before she died, a week before she died. We used so, together. Do you mind if I ask how did she die? Yeah, she, um, it was an, like an overdose. They, it was either, um, cause it was like from meth and Xanax. So they said it was either cardiac arrest or a stroke. She was also like extremely malnourished. Um, like she had lost so much weight because just like how, you know, through using and like her depression, she was just like very, very sick. Um, but yeah, it was, it's still like extremely hard to, you know, and it's been like a year and a half, a year and a, yeah, a year and a half. Um, which that's not really that long. I mean, no, I've counseled with, um, people that, you know, are grieving and people will come in and they'll say, well, how long is this going to take? And obviously every person's different. Um, But we usually say to give yourself a year before you make any kind of major decisions whatsoever. Yeah. You know, Um, and that's not putting the time frame on, okay, in a year you're going to be okay. That's in a year, your mind's going to be more clear that you can make her mom like I'm very close with her mom now like pretty close with her mom now like we spent Mother's Day together so she because Summer was her only child Uh so like we spent Mother's Day together and she lives very like it's so nice we live close to, to each other and you know we keep in touch and then I still keep in touch with you know some of our other friends and that definitely helps um but yeah it's just uh yeah, I I've experienced, you know, I've had a lot of people, I've lost a lot of people, like known a lot of people that have died from this disease. I found my roommate dead from this disease when I was 22, but I have never, summer was 
I mean, I've never even lost like a grandparent that I'm super close to. So like summer was the, you know, the closest person, the closest person I, you know, have ever been to. And it was, yeah, it was devastating. (laughs) It's horrible. Like grief is, yeah. And yet here you are. Yes. So what, what do you feel like was the, or has been the biggest life struggle that you've went through? Oh God. Um, I mean, I feel, yeah, I feel like probably just, it all boils down to like self-esteem, self-worth, which was like, you know, brought on by abandonment. I feel like, you know, or just like like that gateway was abandonment. Yeah, I think so. You know, like really just like, I just like always felt like I needed like an escape. Like I just, I don't know. I feel, I'll, I guess maybe the biggest is just my mind period. Like I have always felt like I need to escape my mind. That's why I loved like once I found heroin, you know, cause it just shuts it all down. My That's brain moves. Yeah. My brain moves like very fast and it's like constantly like, and so it was nice to just be able to, to calm it down. Um, and then, so now it's like, being in recovery, I feel like the biggest struggle is like unlearning everything and like, you know, just like, un. it's like, everything's all tangled up, you know, like, you know, whenever your Christmas lights get, get all tangled, Uh it's like untangling all of that, like all of the belief systems I had about myself, about the world, you know, like just really kind of just starting fresh. It's a big, yeah. So the, one of the, uh, maybe two or three podcasts ago I did was with the Dr. Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was one of them that you listened to, but he was very, very interested. What interested me the most was at what age do you start talking to your kids about addiction? Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you say? Um, around eight. So, and I'm glad because I have a lot of addiction in my family and the, the one thing that I, that I did was because I know that it can be hereditary, you can have the gene and then you couldn't even test for the, that gene. Now you can test for the gene. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew it was, it could be passed on, you know. And I watched it be passed on. <laughs> so yeah, um, I started talking to them at an early, early age. And what I did to avoid that, make sure that I didn't um, get into a relationship. And like my husband that I'm married to, like he, he doesn't have any addiction in his family whatsoever. And he doesn't drink or do drugs. And it's not that he's against it. It's just not something that... Yeah he chose to do yeah you know what I'm saying I'm not saying that he doesn't have issues you know and he deals with them in in other ways but that's just something that he doesn't do yeah so I made sure that I didn't have that kind of environment in the house for them to grow up in number one yeah and number two I started talking to them at an early age and maybe too a little too early but I, you know, the more I talked to them, the more it was like showing up in our family everywhere. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it was terrifying me. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't, and you know, my husband didn't, and we didn't yeah. have anything in the house, it was still my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, yeah, you know, scary. my aunts, my uncles. You know, it was happening all around us. Yeah, and it was just terrifying that okay, you know, they could be next, and so. Um, you don't have any children yet. Is that correct? No. And I never will. <laughs> you never will? No, I do not want kids. Made that all. decision? Yeah. Okay. Well, you can, That's still, part, you can yeah. still become a sponsor though, or a counselor even someday. I don't know. What was your new job? I do recruiting for accounting and finance jobs. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, you could actually on the side be a sponsor someday, you know, so you, you still need to know, like, when is a good time to talk? Because a lot of people have kids. I admire that you've made that decision. Thank you. Um, I, I was recently told by my son that he probably wouldn't have kids, but it wasn't about uh, addiction, really. Even though he included that in there, it was more of why would I want to in this world? Exactly. Yeah, I have several reasons. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but thank and you for I, respecting it. It's like, that, you know, it's like a very abnormal thing. Like anytime as a woman, you know, like if I mention it to someone, they're like, oh, you'll change your mind. I'm like, that's the, exactly. That's what they keep saying. And I'm uh, like, why do you insist on people wanting to have children? I would rather somebody openly admit, yeah, I don't care if they just can't tolerate them. Yeah. You know? Don't have them if you don't I want know. to have kids. Honestly, don't. this woman I sat next to on a flight from Dallas to Orange County, like she, she, she and I talked the whole flight. She was so sweet. And, but she took that news harder than my own mother did. She was so upset that I didn't want to have kids. I was like, listen, it's going to be okay. I'll tell you what, <laughs> sit, sitting, sitting in an airplane next to a family with five screaming kids will make not want to have kids yeah seriously I was yeah I'm just like no but I'm already 33 too like I'm like just now starting my life you know I don't have time for all that <laughs> but there is I mean you have a lot of reasons that too and that's your decision and I'm just saying yes, thank you I respect that I respect that you you know you make that decision and nobody mm-hmm. should be trying to convince you Otherwise. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But I respect people more for saying, no, I don't want to have kids, and I don't care what the reason is, than those that don't want to have kids or anything to do with them and keep having them. Yeah, you know very true. I so do. They're not taken care of, they're ending up on drugs, or they sad. got fear of abandonment, they got the whole, you know. Yeah, it's very sad. So, yes, I respect you for saying that. The other thing I wanted to ask you was then, it's not something I normally do, but you did mention that, um, that, you know, Christ now. Mm -hmm. So when you were growing up, did you have any type of religion in your life? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And did you? Yeah. I mean, I went to private Christian schools, um, and I, yeah, I, um, you know, my mom would always talk about like when I was like three or four, like could, you know, I would literally walk around the grocery store up to random people and be like, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Because I'm going to heaven and I want you there with me. <laughs> and then Did I would really? be like, 
Yeah. And I would be like, don't try to lie. I'll know. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've always, I was very involved in my church. Like I've always, um, you've always known God, honestly. And I feel like it's part of the reason, like I did survive. Everything was because like, I had my friends and family in Texas praying for me, you know, like God was watching over me. And I heard Joyce Meyer say one time like that, if you know, like God, it like God is like our anchor and, um, so like, no matter how far we stray out, he, we can only go so far until he pulls us back to him. And I feel like that's like what has kept me alive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I feel like, um, and of course it's just me, my, my opinion, first of all, I was, um, I was raised too in, in, in a Christian environment and Christian mm-hmm. schools. So when we said private, I mean, they still were private and they were very expensive, mm-hmm. but they were Christian schools. Yeah. Um, but um, mine was Catholic mm. and they were so strict, yeah. so strict. And we had to go to church every seven days a week, oh my gosh. seven days a week. So five days during the school works yeah. a week. Okay. Saturday for confessions mm-hmm. and then Sunday for church. Yeah. So seven days a week. And I'm going to tell you what, it doesn't matter how much faith I had when I was going to be 18 I I told my my, I like I was super excited I graduated early like you did so I was 17 when I graduated Mm -hmm. um, which is probably too young to go away to college I feel like with my kids I made that wrong decision 17 was a little too early they were too immature for some situations it is young um but I said, the first thing I said to my mom, she's like, you can't wait to get into college. I said, I can't wait to not have to go to church Sunday morning. Like yeah. I can literally sleep in. Yeah. And she yeah. was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I just want that choice. I'm not saying yeah. that I'm not going to, I just want that choice. Yeah. I didn't have a choice growing up. Yeah. Now I have I get a choice, it. you know? Yeah. And I've given my kids that choice. And thankfully, well, my, my mom ended up getting, uh, so a couple of us as, of us kids, as we were older, left the Catholic church and went to non-denominational churches. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, felt like we needed more. Like when you go to a Catholic church, and I'm not by any means putting down Catholics, but the priests just they don't have any a lot of them I'm sure yeah. there's some out there but the ones that we've had yeah um they just you know they're monotone when they were yeah speaking and so it was boring I and love it, non-denominational churches yeah me too that's what I most you know when we got you know popular um Christian bands you know that are playing during the service and yeah you just get so hyped up yeah and you have such a good community and we weren't getting that in a Catholic church yeah um so it wasn't against the catholics period i mean that's the way that theirs was going but anyway my mom got her degree master's degree in theology wow so she learned all the different religions and stuff she wasn't so upset with us that we chose (laughs) because we were still christians yeah yeah and it's more about like for me it's like more about my personal relationship right you know it's not about like it, it's not about it, like that's what it's about that's all that it's about is my personal relationship like I literally and that's what it should be 
for the most part in my car if it, if my car is not on like a podcast or like something I have going on on Spotify it's on the Christian station like I listen because it makes me feel better right I it just makes me feel better and you know and I've told other people I'm like I don't like I don't believe in like, I don't think that I know exactly what I even believe in, but I know that whatever I believe in and like whatever practices I have come to do and learn about over time, I feel better doing them and and I'm a better person, you know? That's, that's, that's yeah. faith. Yeah. That's yeah, faith. exactly. And it's something that you can't teach people. So yeah, and unfortunately you can't. Yeah. You can it, it, it is by example. Yeah. You know, you know what? Something funny to tell you, and then probably should close this. But when when you were growing up, what were you taught when somebody sneezed? God bless you. You're excused. Yeah, yeah. Um, God bless you, right? Yeah. Like from the time you could talk, yeah. When you sneezed. Your parents said, "God bless you." Yeah. You know, or your siblings, or whoever was around you. God bless you. That. I never questioned what that meant. Yeah. I just said it because that was what was said to me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it was more of a courtesy, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just about a year ago in, in my boutique, a woman had sneezed and I said, God bless you just automatically. And she said, no, thank you. what that's extreme and unnecessary I just did I was so shocked in all my life what? Christian or not a Christian <laughs> nobody has ever said no thank you no thank you wow how unnecessary <laughs> I know I, I I like I called all my friends I told my husband like have you ever had anybody say no thank you when you said God bless you? And like, really? So like, weird. Really? I didn't know how to react. I was like, okay. She must say that every time. You know, she has that like down. Like that's her thing. Yeah, it wasn't about me. No, that's like her thing. I will not be blessed. <laughs> but so you know what I did was I looked up like the origin. Of Do you know why they say it? Yeah. Yeah, because well, like your heart stops. Well, that can be one of, the, well, oh, okay. what it's supposed to, the reason why you use, so there's people that say, bless you. Yeah. And then there's people that say, God bless you. Yeah. So the ones that say, God bless you, if they know the meaning. Um, so the um, old Christians way, way back believed when you sneezed that that was evil spirits coming out of you. Oh, interesting. I only knew about like, the heart stopping. Yeah. Well, the heart stopping thing wasn't a Christianity thing, though. Oh, that was just bless you. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Interesting. I know. So, you know, when she said, no, thank you, I was like, okay, I've never, never, ever had. No wonder when you're detoxing from heroin, you sneeze so much. It's all those <laughs> yeah. evil spirits yeah, coming all those out evil spirits you. coming out. <laughs> yeah, Makes so. sense. Makes sense. I know. So that, so yeah. So that really bothered me, though. Like nobody ever in my entire life has done that. They've maybe not said anything. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, like to say some, like, just don't say anything. Like how wound up are you? Well, I wasn't offended. I was just shocked. Yeah, I know. That's pretty shocking. It, it was just wow. because it never, ever happened to me. Before. You're like, no more blessings for you then. <laughs> yeah. 
you okay. take it back. No. Well, I can't stop what I was taught from the time I was a kid. No. And it's just like a courtesy, like yeah, whether you believe in God or not, it's like, cool, thanks. But I'm glad, I mean, I'm kind of glad that it happened so that, I mean, I looked up the meaning yeah. and the, the origin of it. And so now I can tell people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this that is, is true. true. I mean, not that they really care, but you know, most, <laughs> like, like you, you know, like you just know that you were taught that you don't yeah. you know why so it was weird. just a courtesy. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, um, was there anything else I needed to, I, I know there was something in there that I was going to ask you and then we can be done. Yeah. So like tonight, for example, what I get to do now with my amazing life is I'm going to go meet up with my best friend and we are going to roller skate to our Monday night narcotics anonymous meeting. <laughs> are you roller skating or rollerblading? Roller skating. Skating. Fun. Yeah. Um, I heard that was kind of a big deal in California. Yeah, it's definitely coming back. Yeah. It's so fun. I love it. Um, we don't do that much anymore, but I grew up roller skating. Yeah. Like roller rinks. Yeah. Know, and then went to rollerblading outside. Yeah. I'm, I'm like more into kayaking and standboarding. Oh, I love doing that too. That's yeah. that to me, I'm still getting some fitness, but it's, it's a, a challenge to me too to stay balanced. And yeah, I haven't done like the stand up, the paddle boarding, but I've kayaked. I love kayaking. Yeah. I, I did a self-love trip um, oh, this fun. summer. Oh, I love that. Took it by myself. And I, I, I drove because I didn't know where I was going to go for sure or what I was going to do. I wanted to without plans. Love it. And um, just wanted to find myself, period, and give myself some love. You know, there yeah. was just, I had went through some cancer and I went through mm. COVID, you know, having COVID really bad during my radiation oh my treatment. So then they had to stop my radiation and I was, you know, close to death and all that kind of stuff. And so I just needed to find myself again and, you know, get some of my self-worth back and get rid of a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And so luckily, luckily I have kind of husband that says, if that's what you need, go for it. Yeah. And um, so I, and, and also it was winter time and the boutique after Christmas is always dead because it's mm. outside and yeah. we have like, um, really bad weather this winter it was either snowing or raining wow so if you have an outdoor instead of like inside of a mall you're like dead because people don't want to walk around shopping yeah so I was like okay well it's a good time for me to do this because you know it's not busy so why would I want to open up to spend money on you know heat and lights and all that when people aren't yeah in so I took my car not knowing where I was going to go that's so cool except that I was going to go south yeah. To get have better weather. Yeah. And I stayed. And so I went kayaking. I went all the way down to Marco Island at one point oh, and wow. went kayaking through the Everglades. Oh my God. Loved, loved, loved it. I did study it first. That's cool. Because there are pythons that are eating alligators down there. And it's oh dangerous God. if you don't know what you're doing. So oh, I did God. study. I did my homework. I stayed yeah. in tree houses. 
I stayed in tiny houses. Oh my God. A couple of times I stayed in my car. Wow. It's funny because I, I, I got off of Amazon, this blow up mattress for your back seat, not hmm. for your car, like to put down your seats, but yeah. for your back seat. And it yeah. fits it exactly. It's got a pillow attached. Oh my God. How cool. Okay. So, and it's made basically for people that are traveling, like, you know, you know not to pull yeah. over and go to sleep. But yeah. of course, if you need to, that's what you should do. Yeah. But I told my husband's like, I don't, I don't want you to sleep at a rest stop. Yeah. And I said, well, I won't unless I have to. I mean, if I'm like way too far away from a city yeah. you know, to find a place and I'm falling asleep, yeah. there's a rest stop, I'm going to go to the rest stop and I'm going to go up to a trucker and I'm going to say, can I pull my <laughs> car in between you two trucks? Yeah. You know, so I'm safe. Yeah. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to even see me. Right. But so that's what I, and I had to end up doing that when I, I got wow. to Nashville and it was pouring down rain and it wouldn't stop. Oh it just gosh. wouldn't stop. And, and everybody was like pulling off the side of the road. Well, I didn't want to be on the side of the road. Yeah. You know, a car can hit you. Yes. Somebody come up, yeah. break in, whatever. So I made it to the next rest stop, which was like 30 miles from when it was really, really bad. And I drove really slow and that was scary because like nobody could even see it was raining so hard. Wow. You know, I had my like flashers on and all that. Yeah. Okay. This is too stressful. So when I came to a rest stop, that's what I did. You know, I pulled in and it was, it was only like 10 o'clock. So the truckers were just starting to come in, you know, there was some there. No, don't take me wrong. Cause some of them start earlier. Yeah. Some of them have only a certain amount of hours they can drive and they have to stop. Mm-hmm. but at any rate so there was these two truckers in, inside so I went inside and there was a big bending area it's a real nice place and uh, so I just said okay this is going to sound really stupid but I I need to stop period and I think I want to just sleep for the night and I have the stuff to do that but I don't feel safe like just in the parking lot mm-hmm. so would you mind if I like went in between you guys and they're like that's a pretty good idea yeah and I said so it just depends on like what time you're both leaving and then I'll leave at the same time yeah and so they're like that's perfect yeah that's fine and so I pulled in between them and I had my iPad with me I used my hotspot I put on Netflix I put <laughs> I put the sun visor things up on yeah those so you couldn't see through them yeah and then of course truckers have to leave their um engine on all night mm. And so there was that, that I, I kind of used as a white noise. Yeah. And that's nice. It's it, not bad. You know, it stopped all the noise from the rain. Yeah. And everything. I had the best night's sleep ever. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so if you ever, ever want to go, but it, I went for three weeks straight and I met really cool people. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. That's awesome. I let go of some anger with some things, issues I had in the past. Um, people that mistreated me mentally, let go of all that. It was just a nice thing to do. I yeah. feel like everybody should do it. Yeah. It sounds amazing. I would love I, to do I just that. feel like everybody needs a little bit of self-care once in a while. Yeah. I agree. Some, something like that. I mean, not like three weeks or anything, but even, yeah, like even days, just small. Yeah. You know, it can sure. be a day. It can be a whole day just to go do something just for yourself. 
Yeah, that's true. But okay, yeah. well, listen, it's been great talking to you. I know you do. Um, have fun with your friend tonight. Thank it's you. Great. Yes, I'm very excited. I've got to go. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so, so much. Oh, well, thank you for coming too. And what if you have any advice would you give somebody out there that has not gone into recovery yet? Oh man, I mean. I know that it has to be their own choice, but sometimes just a word or a, yeah, you know, they always say like, it has to be for you. It has to be for you. You know what? Sometimes like what, like what got me in this time, it was not for me. I did not believe I could do it. I did it because I, you know, was sick of disappointing the people I loved and I thought I'll try. And then that just kind of like, you know, started to like get its own momentum. Um, but also just like, I don't know, just like go easy on yourself, like whether it's in your addiction and you're going to continue using or you're ready to try and get sober because like, you know, continuing to get loaded is not easy. It's not an easy life to live. It's not an easy like you're living with so much guilt and like just go easy on yourself like you know, we're so, I was so hard on myself when I was using and like that kept me out for a very long time. Like just thinking like of all the guilt I had, everybody I'd wronged, like everything. And, you know, and then you just want to keep using to cover all that up. Yeah, of course. Like who would want to get clean whenever you like, you know, hate yourself so much and you have so much guilt and, and it's like, you feel like there's no way you're ever going to like be able to breathe again. Like you're so far underwater. You're like, there's no way. Like I thought that for the longest time, I was like, there's just no way, you know? And so is it safe to say that even though all the times that you were partying and you thought you were having fun and stuff, that now you're having a different kind of fun that Well, I was, I mean, I haven't been having fun or been under like the delusion I was having fun for years and years. Like my fun stopped at about 19 and I'm 33. So, I mean, I haven't been having fun for years. Um, I was just like, yeah, no, I haven't had fun in a very long time using. So yeah, I mean, obviously like doing anything in, in sobriety is more fun than what I was doing, getting loaded, you know? for sure. But even people that I know that think that they're out having fun when they're part, like they think they're partying and then they get sober and they're like, Oh my God, I haven't actually like truly laughed in so long, you know? And that's true. Like a real genuine laugh. Yeah. So what about crying? Oh, I'm a big crier. I love to cry. Good. <laughs> you know, it's good for you, right? Yeah. I'm a huge crier. I'll cry at anything. I called it the, I cried at the Halsey concert the other night. I cried at <laughs> Yeah, I cried every, I cried at the Stranger Things season finale. Yeah, yeah, I cried everything. And you know what? I I cry at stupid stuff like The Price is Right. If if there's somebody that like- We always joke about that in my family. We cry it with the Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) Yeah, Wheel of Fortune too. If I know somebody needs money really bad, like they say what they need it for and they win. That's exactly, that's so funny. We always (laughs) say that in my family. Me and my mom are like bawling and we're like, they really needed that money. (laughs) I know, isn't that cool? Yeah. So I I want people to know that it's okay to cry too, that it's even good for you. And if they don't know, there's actually a happy hormone that comes out when you cry through your index. Yeah, I do get a headache. Don't be afraid to cry. Yeah, exactly. Don't be afraid to be sober because there is a happy life out there. It's truly the only, like, if you're an addict or an alcoholic, like, it's the only way you'll have a happy life. Like, 
you'll either live miserably like drinking or using, or you'll die like that. That's it, you know? And especially with the way drugs are these days with fentanyl and everything, like chances are really good that we're going to die. You don't stop. Yeah, it's true. Let's end it with that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a good Good night with everything. Keep in touch. Thank you. Okay. I will. Bye-bye. And that's another wrap. You know, it just amazes me every time I have somebody new on. I just feel so blessed that I am able to do this and reach out to so many people with all of the life struggles. Please help us by supporting us by taking this episode and all the other episodes that you've listened to, rate us, share it as much as possible to any and everybody that you know of that it could in some way help because that's what Life Struggles Podcast is all about, helping others with their life struggles. See you next time.